Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And on today's episode, we're going to be joined by a special guest. We're going to be joined by Ben Bornstein. He's the guy that you might know from Project Spurs, which is a, an organization that I am now a part of. I'm now the director of digital content for Project Spurs. I'm not too sure what that means yet, but it, it, it's a it's something that's been thrust upon me by Michael DeLeon. So how are you doing, Ben? I am great. And nobody knows what it means, but it does get the people going. <laughs> I know, right? It's like one of those things that they just say, hey, you're going to be the director of strategic marketing for whatever. I'm just like, all right, I'll take the the name, but I really don't know what it means. So that's where we're at. But moving on, we're going to go ahead and talk about the Spurs schedule that was released. You know, the Spurs released their 2019-2020 schedule. Some games on here, you know, there's 82 games in a season. We can't go over every single game. But what we can do is go over the games that kind of stood out at us, you know, games that we're excited about seeing. So let's go ahead and start with you first, since you're the guest, Ben. What game stood out at you right away? Something that that really punched you in the face uh, to start the season off? Uh, so for me, a couple of, I saw a couple of over overlying themes here, some more general things. Overall, I want to say first, I love that we're moving away from 10.30 games, 10.30 start times. Um, the West Coast might not be happy about it, but I think overall it's going to lead to more games getting watched and more people staying up for those games. So I do love that. Back-to-backs uh, are going down again, which is great. And this year the Spurs have 13 nationally televised games, eight on NBA TV, three on ESPN, and two on TNT. Of course, that number is significantly down from 16 and 17, where they had 32, and they had 25 in 2018. Uh, this year, the Spurs only have one stretch of games where they're going five and seven nights, so that's not too bad. Um, they don't generally have an easy schedule playing the West, playing in the West, but um, they do have an interesting rodeo road trip this season. It runs into the All-Star break. There are six games before and then two after. All of the games are on the West Coast. So really, there shouldn't be too much traveling for the Spurs, which seems good because those trips where they have to go out east and they come back west, they seem to play really tired. So if they're not traveling as far during the RRT, I think that bodes well for them. Uh, But they don't really play any pushovers. They play the Clippers, the Lakers, Portland, Sacramento, Denver, OKC twice, and Utah. Um, So, you know. Tough, uh, tough rodeo road trip this season. Uh, I wouldn't call it less than ideal. It's not terrible, but uh, those are some good teams. Their longest home stand is only four games, and I actually happen to think it comes at a really bad time because it is right in the middle of March Madness. I believe it's over the course of a week from March 10th to March 16th, right when conference tournaments are ramping up and we're about to get into people are getting into March madness mode. At least guys like me are getting into that kind of mode. So, um, you know, I thought that was a disservice by the NBA to give them their longest homestand at that time of the year. I would have much preferred to have that closer to the beginning or even close to the all-star break, but, uh, NBA going to NBA, what are you going to do? Um, 
San Antonio gets one neutral site game against Phoenix in Mexico City. It is technically an away game for San Antonio, but that's going to be just fine because they'll probably have a ton of fans there anyway. They get to end the season at home against New Orleans, notable for Zion Williamson reasons. They open the season at home against the Knicks, which means Spurs fans get to relentlessly boo Marcus Morris for reneging on his agreement to join the team and essentially forcing the team to trade Davis Bertans. So can't wait for that crowd. They got a great reason to boo and a great reason to be there for the first game of the season, other than, of course, it's the first game of the season. Yeah, let, um, let, me, let, me, let me jump in here real quick, because here, here's the weird thing about this schedule. You just uh, alluded to Marquise Morris, right? We all know he reneged and left a bad taste here with the Spurs fans, and we traded away Davis Bertans. But here's the irony in everything. The Spurs are going to face off against the Knicks, as you stated, first game of the season, October 23rd. Then on October 26th, guess who comes back to town? Davis Bertans, now with the Washington Wizards. How is that for ironic? You know, somebody had to be watching this, creating the schedule. It's like, hmm, let's go ahead and start off the season with some drama. I mean, what do you think, Ben? I mean, for me... Uh, I don't. I mean, the Wizards are just not going to be very good. So I didn't. They weren't even on my radar, and yeah. I had totally forgot that is where uh, Davis Bertans had ended up for a minute. But I mean, I don't think there's going to be that much drama for that game, just because Spurs fans, Spurs fans are probably going to cheer him when they see him. I mean, he wasn't. He didn't force his way out. He didn't. You know, he didn't really do anything that would upset fans. He yeah, I think this is more like a revenge game for for Davis. You know, who when yeah. you when you get traded, what what player doesn't want to come back and get a one up on his team? You know, so I think that's oh, what that is. Absolutely, and and I would imagine he's going to get good minutes too because the Wizards really don't have much as far as uh, as far as guys who would play ahead of him. So I, I mean, I think I would would expect to see him for a decent amount of minutes in that game. But you know, I don't think there's going to be any ill will from either side. I mean. Everything I heard was that Bertans enjoyed playing with San Antonio. He actually admitted to not playing up to his contract, which I thought was an interesting move because you really never hear players say that. They always say, yeah, I can play better or you know, I want to improve my game, which is kind of some generic stuff. But he specifically said, you know, I, di- I didn't deserve my contract this year, which I thought was kind of crazy because – one players just never say that, and two, I mean, I thought he played decently. Maybe not up to, maybe not all the way up to his, what he was getting paid, but you know, I I don't know. I thought it was an interesting self evaluation and it's some honesty that we don't ever see in the NBA. So that was kind of nice. Um, I think that uh, it's those it's it's going to be two completely different games. I think one of those games is going to look tough, and the other game should be a win. Uh, I think I think the Knicks might have a little more talent than the Wizards right now, so I think those games are going to look a bit different. But the the next game I have that's notable, and Spurs fans are going to enjoy this, is <laughs> the the Clippers game on Halloween. Oh, we get to get see the the claw in action. It's an away game, given that, but yeah, you know, still it's, interesting. It's an away game, but it's it's Halloween. Hopefully, we get some great. We get some great content from that. People, you know, photoshopping costumes, whatever it may be. 
But, uh, you know, I think we're going to get a real scare on the court when we when the Spurs have to see Paul George and Kawhi together in that game. And I think it's going to be a really tough assignment early in the year for the young guards for the Spurs. So I think he's going to have – I think they are going to have to kind of get their act together. And they're going to really see what it takes to – play defense at this level in the Western Conference with guys like Paul George and Kawhi, who are not only great defensively, but also great offensively. So, you know, you, you the, we're going to find out what the Spurs guards are made of early in the season, and that's kind of what I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm excited about that, too, because we have the potential to have a DeJounte Murray and a Derek White playing together on the court at the same time, which potentially could be one of the better backcourts in the NBA. So that's what I'm excited to see. But only time will tell what Coach Pop decides to do, what kind of lineup he's going to go with. I would think that that would be something that he might consider. Doesn't doesn't mean that he's actually going to do that. He'll he'll always surprise us and do the opposite of what we think is going to happen. But I have a question for you, man. Since it is Halloween and we're going to be seeing this Lakers game, and with you know dreaded Kawhi Leonard on the team, wouldn't it be funny if somebody showed up like a Spurs player showed up there? You know, a Spurs fan should I say, dressed in all the the silver and black, and somehow they just made an Uncle Dennis mask. I think I might go as Uncle Dennis for Halloween, dude. I might not get any candy, but it'd be funny, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly won't get any candy in San Antonio. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, you you may get some if you did it up in Toronto or if you were out in L.A. But, um, yeah, I think I, that would love to see that. There, you have to think there are going to be some fans who get up there into, into L.A., into the Staples Center, and just go nuts on costumes. They, yeah. They're going to take all kinds of shots at Uncle Dennis and Kawhi, I imagine. And, frankly, I'm here for that. That would be a great, uh, I guess, a, an idea, right, for, for a Halloween costume, especially if you're going to go to an NBA game and you're a Spurs fan. Just go as Uncle Dennis and Kawhi, you know. <laughs> you would Nothing get on would national. T- yeah, that, you would get on national TV if you did something like that. I don't know if you'd get let in the door, but you, you would get on TV <laughs> for sure. It'd be something to think about. Now you got me thinking. Maybe that's something I should do for for Halloween and just go viral with it. You know, like wear Ka- two and a half months out. Gotta love it. Yeah, like wear a Kawhi jersey and then just have it, you know, the number two marked out and or taped over or something, you know, just be silly with it. But who knows? Just something I'm thinking of. So we'll... Just don't go burning jerseys. It's not worth it, yeah, man. Yeah, man. If you're going to burn the jersey, donate it to somebody who will actually wear it. Don't burn it. That's just a waste of a jersey. And we're kind of Perfect. over the Kawhi drama already here in San Antonio. Yeah, he left a bad taste in our mouths and all that. But uh, I'm sure all the jokes and all the puns have already run their course. Uh, I'm just moved on, dude. Really? You know? <laughs> I moved on beyond Kawhi. Uh, it is what it is. He did the same thing to the Raptors. He just wanted to go home and play with the Clippers, you know, or with the Lakers. He chose the Clippers, uh, which everyone knows. So the rest is history. Nah, it's just another game, an exciting one. So I don't think it's going to be as much uh, fanfare as as, the, as there once was in the prior season, Ben. You know how they had the 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 media was spinning these these dramatic storylines. It's Demar versus Kawhi and you know, look at what happened to him. I, I just think it's just going to be one of these games that everybody's going to watch because, yes, it is dra- drama involved. But at the end of the day, it's a good matchup, you know. So 
that's why I'm going to watch it. So, yeah. And it's, I mean, and, and I think the people kind of forgave or, um, the Spurs were a bit exonerated after all of the stories came out from Toronto when he decided to go play for the Clippers and how things were handled there and how everyone was confused and no one got a straight answer out of his camp. So, you know, I think Spurs, I think Spurs fans are going to be a little extra salty just because they're going to say, Hey, we weren't making stuff up. We're not idiots. You know, the, the, the uncle Dennis is a menace. Yeah, I like Dennis the Menace. That's what my friend Chris Duell says all the time. Dennis the Menace. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. But um all right. You know, it's I, my the next game I'm looking forward to. The other LA team, they come into San Antonio 3 days later, November 3rd, not as scary a date, mind you. Um but the Spurs get to see Danny Green, which is going to be nice. I imagine he'll get some cheers when when they announce him. Um, and now that that team no longer has Boogie Cousins, I think it's a much easier matchup for the Spurs. They have less mismatches out of their favor. So um, I'm curious to see how that goes because I think that'll that will tell us really what LA what the Lakers should look like the rest of the season. Because if they if they get blown out by San Antonio, I think you can expect them to be a 500 or below team. If they keep it close and lose, you know, you could probably see them as a low seed in the playoffs, but um, that would have to be the, uh, the Spurs. Hopefully will, they won't be mid season form by then, of course, but hopefully they'll have gotten some things together. They'll be gelling. DeJounte Murray will be more comfortable with the pace and the speed of the game and, you know, actually playing with other people in a competitive environment. So uh, I'm curious, just, that's kind of another landmark or milestone game for me as far as how does DeJounte Murray look? Is he is he where he wants to be at? Is he where fans want him to be at? Is he is he going to be where the coaching staff wants him to be at by that time? So um, I, I, and I think L.A. gives – gives him an opportunity to kind of go crazy. I'm not really sure if they have anyone who can guard him because Danny Green can only guard one person. So is he going to guard DeJounte Murray? Is he going to guard Derek White? And then what you put Rajon Rondo on the other person. I mean, Rajon Rondo is a decent defender. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they, they should be able to kind of get their way with him at his age at this point in the game. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, November 3rd. Woot yeah. Woot. November 3rd is actually my daughter's birthday as well, so it, it's, a, it's a special date to me, but maybe not to a lot of other people. It's just another game day. But one of the things I wanted to talk about in particular was, in case you didn't hear, uh, news broke early this morning, and it just came over the wire not too long ago, uh, that DeMarcus Cousins actually tore his ACL. Uh, we got news in the morning that you know, he had an injury to his knee. They didn't know to what extent. I guess they went ahead and did the MRI, and it was a, a confirmed ACL tear. Your heart just breaks when you hear these types of stories. Because especially with somebody who tried so hard to come back from injury and, and came back from injury, he tore, DeMar, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, he went ahead and he tore his, his Achilles, okay? He tore his Achilles, big injury to come back from. Worked really hard, came back was playing with the Warriors, looked great. And uh, in the playoffs, you know, he think he tweaked his knee at that point. Season ended for them. Tries to get started again. 
hurts his knee during a practice, and uh, it's a t- torn ACL. I mean, unfortunately for DeMarcus, the injuries are starting to mount up. You know, I think his best years are already behind him. Once a big man starts to get these types of injuries, Ben, it's just going to continue to happen. You know, unfortunately, I, I love the guy. I-, I like how hard he works. But at the end of the day, it's one of these stories where the body can't hold up anymore. The heart is willing. You still want to go out there and compete at a, heart, a high level. It's. It, I just fear that the body is just not going to hold up anymore. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know you, you had some ideas in, in regards to big men playing in today's NBA. Today's NBA is not made for true back-to-the-back, back-to-the-basket big men, unfortunately, which is an art in itself and one that is not nearly as appreciated as it should be. But because of the NBA moving towards moving farther out from the basket and basically saying the only thing you're shooting, the only things you're shooting are threes or layups slash dunks. And DeMarcus Cousins was actually working on his game to get out and be a consistent three point shooter, which is great for him. It just sucks that he got injured doing it or, you know, working out in the, in the off season, no less when there's no real contact, you know, he's just trying to get strong. He's trying to come back from other injuries and this happens again. And like you said, when when you're a big man of that size and you start getting injuries in the lower body, the, the body has a hard time keeping up and staying healthy. And I hope Boogie can come back and keep playing basketball at a high level. I want that. But it is looking tough right now. I'll say that much. I agree with you. It is tough. We saw what, what happened in the past to, to big men such as Yao Ming. You know, he could still compete at a high level. Unfortunately, the body just wouldn't let him anymore. You know, once you, you're a big guy in the NBA and you keep coming down on those knees, that lower body, the knees, you know, your your hamstrings, your feet, in the case of Yao Ming, he couldn't help but keep breaking his, his foot, you know. So, unfortunately, it, it happens. You know, as you start to age, the body just can't keep up anymore. And I think that's what we're starting to see with demarcus cousins and i wish him a speedy recovery who knows you know if he can come back and make another run at it i wish him the best i hope he does but if he wants to continue to play in the nba i think he's going to have to uh add a little bit more uh of an in-between game you know to his arsenal because being that big man the traditional big man in today's nba is kind of a something that's uh dying away slowly kind of like a, a dinosaur you know, it's a relic of a bygone era. You know, small yes. ball is what the NBA is is has gone to and is going to probably stick with uh, the NBA for quite some time. So wish him the best. Look forward to it. So what else you got? What's the other game you're looking forward to? So a few more games I'm looking at. November 22nd, Spurs go to Philly for their first game against the 76ers, a very good team. And... They now have Horford, Al Horford, to pair with Joel Embiid. They kept Tobias Harris. And so now that they have some real tough matchups you got to deal with. And I think that will be a great test for the front court of San Antonio. And I'm curious to see how Ben Simmons is guarded in that game because you probably can't guard him with a traditional backcourt player. Although DeJounte Murray might be long enough 
to get the job done and disrupt Ben Simmons. It also makes it easy when Ben Simmons is not shooting from the outside. You can sag off and help elsewhere. But I think that'll be a great matchup. I think the game a week later, they get the Clippers at home this time. Again, relentless booing can be expected for Kawhi Leonard and for that team. And it should be great because it's also a Friday night. So, you know, people aren't worried about waking up the next day for work. I mean, it should be it should be a sold-out game. That's the hope. But I'm very excited for that game for that reason, that it's a Friday night. Good team in the Clippers. And Kawhi Leonard is going to be there. So give me all your booing. Yeah, not only that, but I think it's uh, going to be Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I believe, falls on the 28th this year. So you're going to have a lot of people. Who are who just got out, you know, for for Thanksgiving vacation, and it's a Friday game, and you're going to be watching the Clippers and Kawhi and Uncle Dennis return to San Antonio. I foresee a lot of beer drinking going on <laughs> during that game. People are going to have a lot of fun. There will be inebriation, <laughs> hard inebriation, you know. So have fun, enjoy yourselves, but of course, you know, like everything else. Make sure you get an Uber home. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy driving home getting a DWI. I can tell you that's going to cost you a lot of money because I've had family members that have gotten popped before. So be safe. You're going to watch that game driving home and you've had a little too much to drink. But nonetheless, I'm going to be happy to see that game. And it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen in that game too with the Kawhi and the Clippers. Because by that time, we'll actually see how good they actually can be. You know, we might see little flashes. Same thing with the Spurs. You know, they're going to have a full squad now. We're going to have DeJounte back. We really don't know what this team is going to look like yet, you know, because we haven't seen a single game, theoretically. But as we're talking about this schedule, this is one of the games to gauge where you're at, you know, because you're getting closer and closer at this time to the NBA All-Star break. You know, so teams really start showing you kind of what they're what they're going to wind up doing, you know, so... Barring anybody getting injured, I, I see it as one of these games that you're going to go ahead and use as a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal marker to gauge what's happening with the San Antonio Spurs and with the Clippers as well. So what's the other game you're looking forward to, Ben? I got another one here, December 3rd, Houston at home ah. for their first meeting of the season. Harden and Westbrook together. Another great test for San Antonio guard play. Jante, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, anyone who's going to be playing defense on James Harden and Russell Westbrook are going to learn real quick what it means to play 48 minutes of defense. That they will because Harden didn't have a dynamic player like Russell Westbrook next to him. He had a broken down Chris Paul, you know, that his hamstring just kept on Flaring up on him, hammy injuries are what he's going to be remembered by when, with his time at the with Houston, uh, playing for the Rockets. But now that he has a dynamic player in, in Russell Westbrook, this could be a formidable duo out there. You know, both guys can shoot, both guys can drive to the rim with ease. The problem being, who's going to get theirs? Somebody's going to have to give up something, and you know, Russ is going to want to give up his shots. He's not going to want to defer to to James Harden and James Harden is not going to want to defer to Russell Westbrook. So how do you how do you foresee that duo uh 
kind of like being copacetic? What, what's going to happen? What are your expectations? This could either be uh, one of the most glorious guard experience experiments in the NBA, or it can be the worst failure you have ever seen in the, in the backcourt for a team. Because like you said, these guys both want to go out and get their own shots. Neither of them want to be sitting around on the perimeter just waiting for something to happen, which is what ended up happening a lot with Harden handling the ball last season. So I'm curious to see how Mike D'Antoni runs this offense. It should look different than what they ran last year. And I also happen to think Westbrook is going to have a much more efficient season now that he's not out there trying to do everything on his own. Hopefully not do everything on his own. He had his worst shooting year by far last season. I mean, he was his percentages were atrocious. You just can't look at them. They might actually burn your eyes. But um, I, I think – I don't know if he'll be a triple-double machine like he was his MVP season, but he certainly will have opportunities for stat-stuffing nights where he hits you with a 27-8 and eight or something. So, I, you know, the potential for that is certainly there, but there's also potential for major combustion in that locker room. I, I think so as well. So that'd be a team to watch, you know, for sure. But at the end of the day, where do you foresee this team stacking up in the Western Conference? Because we all know the Warriors aren't the mighty Warriors that they once were. Now that KD has left that team, they're kind of coming back down to earth. They're going to come back down to reality a little bit. Clay Thompson's hurt, so you know that factors into it as well. Given all that, and if this team can stay healthy, the Rockets and the duo does kind of work out. Where do you think they're going to be in the Western Conference standings? They have to be a top two team with the Clippers, I would think. I kind of suspect that would that. be the expectation. Yeah, I kind of expect that as well. I'm I'm thinking if this team can meet the expectations and play the way that they're capable of, they could be in the top three right up there with the Clippers. So it's it's interesting. This team is one of those teams, Ben, that you're really interested to watch because, like you said, either it's going to be something that's going to be amazing to see and it's going to be exciting to watch, or like you said, it's just going to all unravel and it's going to be good for drama, good for headlines. And, of course, the media, the way they spin things, it's good for clickbait. <laughs> so oh, yes there you have all it of clickbait even if things go well they'll be able to write stuff about it and say haha everyone was wrong the demise of the backcourt of harden and westbrook is wrong all of you were wrong they won't point the finger at themselves even though you know everyone is saying that they're going to blow up yeah definitely so keep an eye out for that so what else you got ben new year's eve what a phenomenal game. Spurs get Golden State at home. Now, the two teams will have played earlier in the season, but they probably won't be in as good form as they will be for this game. I expect both teams to be gelling by this point. It's New Year's Eve. You're not out doing anything. You're off from work. You're off from school. Go watch the game. End of story. Yeah, and that way you can start drinking a little early, too. There you go. Get your day drinking in. Yeah, get that day drinking in. I'm probably I'm I'm more than sure since it is, you know, New Year's Eve. It's a week. It's probably going to be what? It's a Tuesday game, not a weekend game. 
but it's like a weekend. You know, everybody's off the next day. You're not going to work the next day. Yeah. So they're going to open up the AT&T Center like at 5 or 4.30 at the Bud Light Courtyard like they do every before every game. They're going to have something going on, either a live band, drink specials, get over there, enjoy it, you know, and have some fun watching this game. That This, this is another one that it's, it's, it's nice to go to. You don't really get up for these games so much when you're sitting on a sofa with your family and your friends and you're selling, you're getting ready for New Year's Eve because everybody's talking so much. You don't got time to watch the game. But this is one of the ones where you could go and watch this game, Ben, before you hit the road, before you go to the, the New Year's Eve parties and, and really just have it be the starter for the night. So this is one that I'm definitely going to want to go to. Like you said, New Year's Eve, you're off the next day. You ain't got nothing else to do but drink. So go and hit this one hard, people. <laughs> Okay, and what else you got, Ben? Uh, you and I were talking about this one off air before we started. Really oh. <laughs> weird, interesting scheduling quirk by the NBA yeah. here. January 4th and January 6th, the Spurs play Milwaukee first away, then at home. So yeah, I, I, I don't know how this happened. I don't know if someone overlooked this, but it was – uh, not ideal, I would say, for either team, really, because you got to. So the Spurs are going to travel to Milwaukee, play them the fourth, and they got to fly back the next day. They get a day off. Milwaukee's got to fly to San Antonio now, and they're playing each other, and that's fine. And I think that's the only two times they play each other for the year. Yeah. So you're you're just knocking those games out back to back, which seems kind of insane, but. Um, it should be at that point in the season where both teams are gelling and it's going to be a good test because Milwaukee should be at the top of the East again. And of course, they're going to play Giannis Antetokounmpo. So you're going to, the Spurs are going to have an opportunity to figure out, you know, how do we guard someone like this? What do we do? Do, do we even have anyone to guard this guy? I imagine they have someone in mind, but, um, you know, I think it's just a good test for them and a team you know, you see two times really quick and you won't see them again until possibly a finals matchup if that happens. Yeah. Well, potentially you're going to have what Yaka Portal probably play heavy minutes trying to guard Giannis, but more than likely he's going to probably get in foul trouble early because no one can really guard Giannis. He's going to get to the rim. You just try to make it a little bit more difficult and try to tire him out. You know, it's all you're trying to do for the first three quarters. So by the time you hit the fourth quarter, you're hoping that he's tired enough where he won't go off for maybe 15 or 20 points, you know? So that that's all you could do to the guy. But somebody was drunk. You just throw bodies at him and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I agree with you. Somebody was drunk when they did this schedule. I don't know why they do this. Where, like you said, you schedule an away game. Okay, and you're playing, the Spurs are playing the Bucks on the fourth. Then you give them a day in between so that the, both teams can fly back to San Antonio and get ready to play on the sixth. That that kind of stuff just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There, there's no need for you to play the same team back to back. It's it's asinine, you know. No, I don't know why this happens, but it it happens to every team in the NBA. Um, I'd like to check the schedule to find out what other teams are going to have these crazy back to backs where you play them on the road, you play them at home. You know, it's it's. I feel like. I feel like if there is a pair of teams that that happens often with, it would be the Magic and the Heat. Yes, I agree with you on that one. 
Yep. You see that a lot, though. I'm just, yeah. I I mean, I'm not speaking from any numbers. That's just what my gut tells me. So, you know, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. I I kind of hope I am, but I would not be surprised if that was the case. Yeah, but I'm in agreement with you, too, because on that game, well, those two games that the Spurs are going to be playing the Bucks back-to-back, it's a good way to gauge where you're at. You know, again, it's one of these teams that are going to be one of the elite teams. They're probably going to be the number one seed throughout much of the season and probably going into the playoffs as well. But the Spurs, they need to, we need to really see what they're doing because again, it's right before you start hitting that all-star break. And we all know what happens right after they get back from that all-star break. And we're looking at the looming rodeo road trip. And you know that the team needs to see where they're at. We need to see how they're gelling. How well is everybody actually working out there on the court together, you know, as a cohesive unit. And one of the things too, Ben, is by this time, we should already see how good are the Spurs now on the road? Because that was one of the major issues that they had last season is they could not win games away from the AT&T Center. And with these back-to-back games against the Bucks, we'd actually have a good gauge of how well are they going to be playing on the road against these upper echelon teams. So, that's a good good marker right there for you to to test yourself with. So after- absolutely, I think that's going to be one theme that fans have to keep an eye on throughout the season. You know, how does this team play on the road? I think last year, you know, missing so many guys for all those games due to injuries, I think hurt them a lot. I think having a Dejounte Murray back will be great because, as they say, defense travels, and so if you can still play. You know, there are going to be nights when your offense is not there. It leaves you, whatever, you you know, there's a seal on the rim, whatever it may be. You know, if you can play defense, you can still win games on the road. So I think that's going to be a huge difference as well. Um, But the last game that I have circled until the season ender against New Orleans, um, for obvious reasons, one, it's at home and Zion again. But the last one I have circled is January 29th at home against Utah who I think is going to be, once again, somehow an underrated team that flies under the radar. People aren't going to talk about them, but they're still going to be a top-four seed. And Donovan Mitchell has a true point guard playing with him that can still get buckets in Mike Conley. And I think they still have a solid roster around those two guys. So I'm excited to see how the Spurs might play against that team, especially against such a dynamic scorer like Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I'm excited to see that game as well because the Jazz really haven't lived up to the expectation that's been thrust upon them, you know, over the course of the last, I'd say, two seasons. You know, they had a lot of uh, expectations where this team is really going to make a push. They're going to be the dark horse. They're going to be one of the teams that's going to be out there, maybe even contending in the Western Conference Finals, you know, for a spot going to the NBA Finals. That's what a lot of people around the league had thrust upon them. But unfortunately, they just never seem to get it together in the playoffs. They always have some type of an issue. Uh, They unravel, uh, especially with fourth quarters. When they have really close fourth quarter games, it just seems like they don't have enough knowledge, enough veteran knowledge out there on the court to get them past those big games. You know, it's kind of like the pressure gets the best of them, you know. So I'm looking. It might be the new Portland. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say right now. This team has to get over a hump. And I think that this year, 
especially going into the postseason, we might see something special uh, come out of the, the Utah Jazz. So this might be the year that they, they really make a good push. So definitely a, a team and a game that you're going to want to keep an eye on. You know, another one that I wanted to talk to you about too, Ben, is one of the games that I'm really looking forward to is I want to see how the Spurs are going to match up against the the Denver Nuggets again. You know, we have this away game that's going to occur on Monday, February the 10th. It's an 8 o'clock tip. And I want to see what the Spurs are going to do against this Nuggets team. Because for all intents and purposes, this Nuggets team is still intact. You know, they are pretty much the same team. You know, they're going to give the Spurs matchup problems. They're very athletic. And they have Nikola Jokic, the Joker. The guy's not very athletic. But damn it, if he doesn't have a knack for getting in the right spots that he needs to be in. You know, he's kind of like uh, Kyle Anderson, slow-mo, you know, yes, very methodical. It's kind of, you know, kind of awkward out there on the court. But damn, the guy just just has a knack for getting in the right places at, as, at the right time. And he presents a matchup problem for the Spurs because of his bulk. You know, we don't really have anybody that can guard him and he can shoot. And he's one of the best passing big men that's in the NBA today. So that is actually a threat. A lot of people think, oh, you know, if you're going to shoot a three, if you're going to shoot a two, you know, you're very athletic going to the rim, you can be explosive. Passing is just as important as scoring because you're setting up your teammates for success. And I think that's one of the the big things that Nikola Jokic has going for him and why he's so lethal out there because he has a high basketball like you and he can pass the hell out of the ball. So that's one of the games I'm looking forward to. What do you think about this matchup with the Spurs and the Nuggets, Ben? Absolutely agree with you. Jokic has to be an X factor. That's a dude who has great vision, can pass the ball, and he's seven. He's almost he's basically seven feet tall, so he can see over the defense anyway, which makes which makes which makes him such a good passer. But they've got shooters everywhere. You got to be you got to be stuck to everybody. You, there's no one you can help off really. And like you said, they kept their core together. And if Michael Porter Jr. ever gets healthy and has a back to speak of, then, I mean, they'll be really good because that kid can shoot the ball. But um, that is a scary team. And especially in February when playoff races and seeding races are going to be at the forefront of every, everyone's minds, that game could be a huge decision maker. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be another game, you know. We'll see what the Spurs are made of and how how good they're going to play away from the AT&T Center game because this game that I'm speaking of falls right in the middle of the infamous rodeo road trip. So this infamous rodeo road trip, and we might as well just end the podcast talking about that. The road trip did not fare too well for the Spurs last season. They won one game against the Memphis Grizzlies, and I believe it was by one point or two points, and it was in overtime. That was the only win that they had during that road trip. It was a complete and utter disaster. Derek White was been, injured. That that was almost, I think it would have been the first 0 for road trip that yeah. they would have ever had. They got a little a help, though, in that game from the refs, if I remember. I try not to remember. <laughs> It, it really should have been an offer, but with the little help from the refs, the Spurs winded up inking out a win. But really, that's a game that, that was kind of 
a gimme. In other words, the ref gave him a gave him a little present. But yeah, it's one of those that should have just been like the worst rodeo road trip in Spurs history. But this rodeo road trip, Ben, it's going to start Monday, February the 3rd against the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm seeing a trend here, Ben. We're we're seeing a lot of the Clippers this season. Why do you think that is? <laughs> well, you know, Spurs only play them, what, three three times a year, four times a year? Can't keep track of all of it, but pretty sure it's at least three. And, uh, you know, there's some dude on that team. I don't know what his name is, but um, I think he wears two. Gets <laughs> a lot of attention. Yeah. You know. I think people are focused on that or something. What do I know? Yeah. So they have you have that, but you know they 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 start the rodeo road trip out against the Clippers. Then you have the Lakers. Then you have the Portland Trailblazers. Then you have Sacramento. See, Sacramento to me is one of these teams that presents a problem to the Spurs. They owned the Spurs last season, and not only did they own them, they beat them handedly. You know, they didn't have any issue with the Spurs at all. And this is a young team that didn't make the playoffs, but they are one of those teams that you never know what's going to happen. They could actually be a lot better and, and make a run for that eighth seed in the Western Conference. So that's a team that kind of worries me. And then you have the game that I just mentioned against the the Denver Nuggets, you know, and then you have... OKC, which OKC is not going to be the same team. They're probably going to be in that rebuilding phase and they're going to lose a lot of games, you know, so not one of these games that I'm going to get excited for. But then you have the Jazz, you know, you have the Jazz on the road. It's a long road trip, Ben. By this time, the Spurs are getting tired. This is going to be another one that's going to be a true test for them. Then they're going to wind up ending up ending the rodeo road trip against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So my question to you, sir, given all these games that they're playing on a, on the road here, I believe it's a total of eight games. How do you think they're going to fare this season? Are we going to see a much improved team away from the AT&T Center? Do you think they're going to be able to win more than one game? Then they, you know, seeing as that's what they did last year. What are your expectations for this team, especially with the road to road trip? Definitely more than one game. I would expect four, five wins on the rodeo road trip, I would say. And what are those uh, wins you think they're, what teams do you think they're going to wind up beating on this rodeo road trip? Lakers, Kings, OKC, OKC again, possibly Jazz. Okay. So you think they're going to wind up losing against the Blazers and against the, the Denver Nuggets? Yeah. Okay, I can see that. But you know, I just I just know, man, it just some for some reason this Spurs team they'll beat teams that they have no business beating on the road. Like they could <laughs> beat the Denver Nuggets, right? They could beat the Denver Nuggets away. You know, it's an away game. They're going to beat the Denver Nuggets at the Pepsi Center. They could do that. And then the next game they just lay an egg, crap the bed, and get blown out by 30 points against OKC. You know, so I don't know, man. It's you just you just never know. The teams that you got no business beating, you beat, and then the ones you have no business losing to, ugh, it doesn't end well. So <laughs> we have <Yeah>. that. 
that 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 does happen from time to time but that's with a lot of that happens to most teams you get yeah you get an emotional high from a good win and then you don't really come up and play the great the next game yeah uh, or you get tired that, you get tired area where it's the day after yeah or you get tired from playing full a full 48 minutes of basketball you know that kind yeah. of uh, gets the legs a little tired you know your hamstrings start getting tired you get back spasms you know it's it's a long lonely life on the road for eight <laughs> games <laughs> absolutely but to end the season as you alluded to let's go ahead and talk about games coming in in the month of march going all the way back down to april the one game that i'm really looking forward to in the month of march is probably going to be the nets game i know it's it's on a friday it's March March the sixth. It's it's an away game, six thirty p.m. tip. This is a game that I'm interested in in watching. You know because the Nets are much improved. They have Kyrie now. They don't have KD because he's out for the season. You know or we all know what happened to him. He uh, unfortunately, you know he got injured in the finals, so he's going to be out for the rest of the season. I I really don't see him coming back. Do you? No, for this season, absolutely yeah. not. He's taking a season off for sure. Yeah, that's what I would think, barring what happened in the prior season when he was with the Warriors. He had no business out on the court, should have never played in that game, and unfortunately he got injured. So I'm looking forward to seeing this game against the Nets. I want to see what this young team is going to look like. They've been much improved over the course of the last two seasons, and they're looking better and better as each season you know, transpires. What do you think? I mean, do you think the Spurs are going to have a, a little bit of an issue now that the, the Nets are going to have Kyrie on the team? Man, Kyrie is a very good player, but he is very mercurial, as some people might say. Um, he is a bit of an enigma, man. You you really don't know what you're going to get with him. Does he, does he want to be the big dog? Does he... Does he want to have a superstar buddy to defer to? Does you know what? What I, nobody knows what he wants, and I think that's part of the problem. I'm not sure he knows what he wants, and I think, granted, the Nets have put together a solid roster with him headlining, and I think they should be a decent team in the East. They'll make the playoffs, but I don't really know how good they'll actually be without KD this season. Okay. I can go ahead and uh, respect that. But let's go ahead and move forward here. Let's go ahead and talk about the last game. And this is one thing that I'm going to ask you about as well. Spurs finish off the season, as you stated, against the New Orleans Pelicans. And this is going to be a home game on Wednesday, April the 15th, a 6.30 p.m. start, early tip. By this time, the Spurs have already started shutting people down because Pop doesn't want nobody to get hurt. You know, going into postseason, more than likely, we're probably not going to see the superstars play a lot of minutes, if any minutes at all in this game. It's going to be one of these games that Pop really doesn't care if they win or lose. We'll probably see a lot of the younger players and Alani Walker. You know, maybe we'll see Keldon Johnson. We'll see Luca out here, maybe playing some heavy minutes in this game. But more importantly, what do you think that Spurs are going to finish the season at? What do you think they're going to do as far as the Western Conference standing seedings go? And how many games do you think that they're going to win this coming season? This is a tough one. Um, 
I last when I last looked at five thirty eight, they had the Spurs at I think thirty seven wins, wins, oh, wow. which is a complete disservice and shows why some people shouldn't. Which shows why numbers might lie. Yeah, to be frank, um, this is basically the same team as last year, with the addition of Dejounte Murray, with healthy Derek White to start the season. And with a team that has young guys who now know their role much more clearly. And yes, the West got better. Some of the West got better with acquisitions made during the free agency period. There's no arguing that. LA Clippers got much better. LA Lakers even got a little better, obviously, with the signing of Anthony Davis. That'll help you any day of the week. But you know, even with some of those signings, there are teams that lost players like the like the Warriors will not have Klay Thompson this year. They're going to they lost a lot of guys from the team last year because they could not afford to pay those guys because they went out and they paid Steph Curry and they paid Klay Thompson and they paid Draymond Green. So now you don't have as much of the salary cap to spread around to your other players, to your role guys. So I think that will hurt them more than people realize. And I think that the Warriors will be a bottom a bottom four playoff team. They'll be a five through eight seed, I think, this year. And I think – and, yeah, that might sound blasphemous to some people. I understand Steph Curry is amazing and the point god. I get that. I'm not debating that with anybody. He is amazing and I love him. But I don't think they're going to have enough left over to really give him any help and to win as many games as they have been the last few seasons. Having said that – I expect Denver to come up and be as great as they were last year. The Clippers are expected to be a top two team. Houston expected to be a top three team. So there's three right there. You have the Spurs who should make the playoffs. That's four teams. I don't know if they'll be a top four seed, mind you, but they will be there. I think Portland makes it again. And I think you have a few other teams who are who we really don't know. We don't know about them yet. and We're going to have to see how they compete. Because I don't know about the Mavericks. I don't think Memphis is going to be very good. They're rebuilding. They got rid of Mike Conley. They they just they just don't look good to me. And the, the Suns are still rebuilding. They did some nice things in the offseason. But I think they're still rebuilding. Kings might be pretty decent. They could make a run at a playoff seed. I still don't think the Timberwolves are going to be very good. I just don't think they've ever really gotten their act together and really gelled like they should. So, I don't know. I, I feel like the bottom three or four seeds in the West are pretty open. So I, I, it's hard for me to say where the Spurs might end up, but I think they'll end up somewhere in the five to seven range, I think is realistic. And as far as number of wins, I would say 45 to 47. Okay. I was uh, kind of thinking a little bit different. Uh, they won, I believe, what was it? A total of 48 games last season, if I remember correctly. And, Given yes. that they're going to have a healthy DeJounte, you know, this season, they have Derek White, who's really come into his own and flourished as a player. And then you also have, you know, Lonnie Walker coming in and some of the younger players who should be able to contribute a little bit more, uh, seeing that they've gotten more and more experience. There's still probably about another, you know, one or two seasons away from really coming into their own and showing us what they really got. But I think at this point, they're going to be able to contribute when their number is called. Uh, I think the Spurs are going to be a little bit better when it comes to playing away from the AT&T Center, especially, you know, on the road. 
I think they'll, they'll figure some things out there. So given all that, given how well the Western Conference as a whole has gotten uh, better, almost every team has gotten better, I'd have to say that I believe that the Spurs are actually going to finish the season with anywhere from 50 to 53 wins. I'm saying that they're going to win 53, win, 53 games. And I f- think that they're going to wind up somewhere still anywhere from the fifth all the way to the seventh seat. I think a lot of teams are going to be more improved. I'm thinking that the Spurs are going to be one of these teams. So if they don't win 53 games, hey, it's not it's not a, a lost season to me. I'd be I'd be ecstatic if they're able to match their win total from last season and still come out as the sixth or seventh seed. But I just have a little bit higher of an expectation for them, given that they're going to have DeJounte. So I'm, I'm expecting them to win 53 games. I really expect them to be that sixth seed in the Western Conference. But again, they could slide down to seven or even go as high as five. It just depends on how they uh, they gel together this year, especially on the road. So that that's those that that's my two cents, Ben. I know you you probably you know are like, wow, that's that's a little high. I'm being too generous. Uh, I mean, I I can see it. I'm just I'm always a little paranoid, and I usually go on the lower end of of these guesses anyway. So that inevitably, when they do win more games uh i'd rather look like an idiot that way People say, no, you were too low on the spurs i'm like okay you got me great i love being low on the spurs it's fine with me yeah anytime they outdo my predictions is a great day to me so no hair off my back man yeah so i'm, I'm still predicting 53 you're thinking they're going to come in you said anywhere from what 47 48 wins yeah and that yeah 47 or 48 I'd, I'd say okay I think that's a safe bet. I know I'm going a little bit higher, but it's because I I believe that with DeJounte, the team's going to be that much better. Uh, probably get a couple more wins out than 48, but we'll have to see what happens this season. Either way, I know I'm excited about the upcoming season. I know Ben is excited about the upcoming season. So before we go ahead and end this episode of the Two Shots podcast, we're going to go ahead and uh, let you know where you can get a hold of Ben on social media and interact with him and have these conversations. Keep him honest, you know. He had 48, I had 53. So if y'all want to come at us once the season starts to come to an end, you got to know our Twitter handle. So we'll start with you, Ben. Where can they reach you? At the underscore Boomstein. Always at me. I am here for all of your criticism. <laughs> there you go. And I'm here for all your criticism as well. You can reach me at Two Shots Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's all spelled out. T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S podcast. And like we always say, before we end this show, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. And before I say peace, I want to give a big shout out to Jabari Young. Uh, Jabari Young actually gave my son some really, really nice looking Nikes today. So just want to say thank you, Jabari. And if you all have the opportunity, make sure you go and follow Jabari out on Twitter. Has a lot of great stuff coming out of the pipe there as well. So again, we're out. Peace. We'll see you guys next time. 